You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains. DLTs and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we'll be discussing one of the most buzzing topics in the blockchain and crypto space right now, which has ignited the imagination of a lot of people of late, and that is the topic of metaverses. One of the main reasons for this, of course, is Facebook changing its name to Meta uh, recently. Uh, you know, making it very clear how they vision the social media space to evolve in the future. So this coupled with all the buzz about NFTs and explosion of NFTs in the world of digital collectibles and digital art has really fueled people's imagination about what the future of digital existence is going to look like. So it is at the backdrop of all of these developments that uh, we thought it would be a good idea to take a closer look at the concept of metaverses as a whole. uh you know what it can mean for various industries and maybe look at some of the blockchain and crypto projects that are actively working on building out these new metaverses so to start off i must say that the concept of metaverses is uh, not new at all this is something that we have seen in so many science fiction movies and uh, when online gaming started to become a really big phenomena after uh, the rise of the internet many role playing games became this new digital universe of sorts where people would spend time uh interact with other people own certain assets in these ecosystems in fact i would urge our listeners to listen to one of our interviews we did on blockchain gaming with the uh, adrian creon from spielworks where we discussed a lot of these things in great detail So Nikhil would you like to begin with a little bit of a background and history of the concept of metaverses uh, and virtual worlds and uh, how we got to this point with these new age metaverses being built from scratch Yeah KK you uh, bring up great points uh, when you think about the metaverse at least uh, for me basically the word essentially was coined uh, as part of a sci-fi no- novel right so uh, there's this novel called snow crash by uh, this guy called neil stevenson uh, and uh, he's he's one of the cyberpunk uh, authors right and they kind of uh, talk about uh, the whole idea of a virtual space and uh, which is separate from the real space right uh, the so called quote unquote meat space uh so the metaverse was coined out there literally and uh the the uh, book is also pretty interesting if you've ever read it uh, i if you haven't I, i would recommend reading it uh it's a it's a pretty uh almost prophetic kind of a look at how uh things seem to be evolving right obviously there are a lot of things that they it got wrong but uh more than it got wrong i think it's it's kind of on track in fact the whole cyberpunk uh kind of revolution or the cyberpunk wave uh got a lot of things right in my opinion uh so that's basically 
where the term started. Uh, metaverses, uh, again, uh, the gaming industry led the way. Uh, they, like you pointed out, when once the internet started, we had uh, the World of Warcraft and other uh, such ma- massive games, right? They, in fact, they actually coined the term for it, uh, which is the MMORPGs, right? A massively multiplayer online or role-playing games. And uh, that's basically that particular wave where you kind of got into this idea that you could have a digital avatar and uh, you could go on adventures with the digital avatars. Uh, so that was basically one one flow. Then uh, during uh, the early 2000s, uh, we had another kind of almost a cultural thing that became pretty big uh, was uh, Second Life, right? So Second Life was this uh, virtual world uh, in which you could create an avatar and just go hang out. And it was this very decentralized concept and uh, people started doing a lot of things in it. Uh, You got people creating uh, virtual offices and things like that. Second Life was a victim of uh, the, I would say, the the lack of sophistication in terms of the underlying technology. Uh, You know, the internet was not fast enough, the computers weren't powerful enough, and uh, eventually the disconnect between, uh, you know, what what was being shown on the screen and uh, the performance... uh, between uh, between what was being shown on the screen and what people wanted to see was real big enough that okay they felt that you know that 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 was working and it uh, they went on a different direction incidentally i i for, for this particular show i did a little bit of googling uh, second life apparently is still alive and well um there they've got a pretty co- a core set of uh, pretty hardcore uh, converts and i think they recently moved their entire data center into the cloud so uh, it's all on aws now and apparently quite quite powerful much better now and more seamless but yeah so this is basically kind of like a thumbnail sketch of where metaverses is uh, nowadays basically i think the the biggest latest push uh, from the real world came from the coronavirus pandemic it forced people to uh, stay at home and kind of uh, reduce their social interactions to interactions online. And this, I think, has uh, resulted in a renewed interest and a renewed uh, exploration of the concept of metaverses, uh, especially amongst a whole new set of gen- uh, new generation of people, right? So it's uh, it's not just the uh, boomers and the millennials like us it's also the gen xers and the gen z's and the digital natives and what have you right so i mean the latest push has come from facebook and like that shows you know where they see this evolving and how they see the social interaction evolving in society right so uh, how do you see that versus you know some of these other decentralized metaverses that have been in development for the past few years and like what what blockchain has to offer right like blockchain and decentralization has to offer versus what facebook is looking at this as right and uh with respect to facebook and the whole meta uh, narrative uh, i mean it is pretty clear that facebook has 
recognized or rather Zuck has recognized this particular opportunity slash threat, right, uh, of uh, virtual reality and uh, virtual worlds and basically is reacting to it, right? And it's not something new. Uh, Facebook basically spent uh, an eye-watering amount of money, I think, uh, buying up Oculus in the beginning five years back and uh, uh, for all intents and purposes they have been spending equally eye-watering amounts of money every year uh, pushing that forward right so pushing the state of the art of uh, virtual reality and uh, augmented reality and all of that uh, forward uh, every year they have been investing and uh, the shift to the the branding exercise of moving to meta might as much be a matter of optics as it is of recognizing that, okay, they want to move their company over into this new space. Uh, But it is definitely not something that is a spur of the moment thing, right? So that is one point. And the second point, basically, I want to make or contrast is that uh, the vision uh, that obviously Facebook and Zuck have of the metaverse uh, is a much more centralized vision, right? They want to be just like they came in early into the uh, Web 2.0 and uh, the the Internet 2.0, so to speak, and kind of established themselves and kind of took a large chunk of people's digital mind uh, space. They want to kind of be the early people uh, who come and set their flag in the virtual world and the metaverses and uh, probably try to take a large chunk of that as well. And one of the key advantages that they have in this is that they effectively have 50% of the internet-connected world already on their Facebook platform. So they have a pretty large captive audience that they can sell this opportunity or uh, migrate over, right? So that's, that's definitely a, from a, uh, economic perspective or from a business perspective that's a major advantage that they have uh, but uh, if you think about the the original idea of metaverses and one of the things that come out from the cyberpunk uh, genre and uh, a lot of the shy cyberpunk narrative has always been uh, uh, the metaverse has always been about individuals as much as it has been about, you know, uh, large players. And in fact, uh, if you look at things like Ready Player One, it's about how individuals kind of take back <laughs> or fight large corporations. Now, obviously, this is part of a lot of this is basically uh, novelization and creating a fancy story. But uh, there is that particular element of you know, uh, metaverses being somehow part of your individual, I mean, your interaction with others uh, as much uh, as it is about, you know, you being a, uh, you being broadcast to or you being a kind of a passive uh, recipient of, which which is normally the case with with the uh, web 2.0 or the internet 2.0 space, right? Uh, uh, The where blockchain kind of fits in, in my mind, is amongst uh, multiple dimensions, but one of the main things around uh, the idea of metaverse is uh, how do you actually create an individual identity and uh, 
then make that an I portable identity. And this is kind of like what a lot of the, you know, metaverse, blockchain metaverses are uh, trying to do is that, you know, the whole idea of, okay, an individual identity and data associated with an identity owned by that individual and being decentralized enough that, okay, uh, that individual can uh, choose to move that data around uh, and with more control. Great. Now that we know what metaverses are and what's the idea behind the concept and uh, where we stand currently, now uh, let's look into what this can mean for some of the businesses across industries um, going forward. So the first one, obviously, being gaming, uh, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, we've talked about this in great length in our blockchain and gaming episodes in the past. However, I'll uh, touch on it quickly once again. The advent of blockchain and non-fungible tokens allows gamers to own in-game assets and properties that they can have true ownership over, something that cannot be taken away from them. So as long as you are owning assets in a game, whether it be a special sword or armor or anything else, uh, if it's all on a centralized gaming ecosystem, if the game developers decide, your assets could become useless. There's a statistic that actually says that people world over already spend over $100 billion for virtual goods online. So um, with games being built on decentralized networks using blockchains, once you own an asset as a non-fungible token or, or NFT, you can have true ownership of those assets or digital goods forever. Uh, and so this $100 billion number, in my view, it can grow manifold uh, because of this, this new uh, capability that blockchain offers. Uh, and some other industries to look at. Uh, so, for example, when it comes to fashion, uh, there's some statistics that say that 3 billion people around the world regularly play video games. That's more than a third of the world's population. Uh, and of this, 46% uh, gamers are women. And when you look at the choice of entertainment that people prefer as of today, uh, across all age groups and genders, people actually prefer gaming over even TV and movies. So gaming today is not just a medium where you can change your avatar with uh, different kinds of fashion accessories. Uh, rather, gaming is increasingly becoming an avenue where luxury brands can reach more and more people through these gaming ecosystems. When you look at uh, the coming of NFTs in the mix, for example, uh, if uh, Nike today wanted to release a special edition shoe uh, in a given virtual world uh, and say they released only a thousand pairs of these in the whole world, uh, with an NFT, you can digitally prove that the special edition shoe that you own from Nike uh, in the metaverse is really one of those thousand pairs released by them. Uh, in the real world, there might be a fake or a knockoff that someone can create uh, that looks exactly like the real one. But uh, in the digital realm, you cannot. Uh, you know, if, if you own that NFT, you can prove that you truly own those digital pair of shoes, right? So uh, the application for the fashion industry, in my view, is very similar to how people see its potential for art and uh, other collectibles. The next interesting application to look at would be how metaverses can change workplaces that uh, companies work in, right? So last couple of years, Nikhil, as you mentioned, uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw that uh, pretty much all workplaces went mostly virtual, either by connecting through Zoom or Google Meet or Teams. Uh, 
uh, where people uh, were interacting with each other mostly digitally rather than being together in a physical office building so there's there's all kinds of studies today that are actually beginning to show that show basically what impact this has had on the productivity of your workforce so um, some studies would say that some companies saved a lot of time and money connecting with their clients over a zoom call rather than driving downtown for a lunch meeting or a coffee uh, which would generally mean losing 1 to 2 hours of your productive work time in a regular workday uh but there's also other studies that show that uh interacting with your colleagues virtual only has led to greater isolation and loneliness at a human level uh you know workplaces are not just uh, a place where you go to work and meet deadlines but you know they are also an important part of your social interaction as a human being so uh companies are beginning to realize that as people spend more and more time in the digital space uh, in the future it would be important for them to provide some kind of a uh, digital metaverse where people can meet and interact just the way uh, they would in an actual physical office setting so for example uh, the other day nikhil and i uh, we were checking out this company called gathertown which is uh, doing this exact same thing they have created a platform where companies can create their own virtual spaces for their employees to meet and interact virtually so everything from having a virtual coffee machine to a conference room to the supplies room the, there's a virtual place where employees can hang out and interact so uh, nikhil do you want to touch a little bit on it and maybe go into what you think about metaverses for workplaces sure um so i mean the way i see it is that the people in i have have now realized that okay you can do a lot more things than people thought were possible Uh, online right so there's definitely the uh, genie has uh, been let out of the bottle that okay uh, or, or that uh, okay there are uh, you need to have an office uh, for everything so that that particular genie is not going to get back into the bottle so there is uh, there you can you can look at companies kind of almost like with these generational kind of uh, skews right so you can basically say okay there's one type of uh, business where it's it's an established business it has uh, uh, been there for a long time and uh, uh, it has it is uh, driven by personalities or uh, there are older people people who are kind of set in a particular way right so you will always have the ceo who basically says that yeah we embrace digital but at the same time goes to the office every day and expects all his uh, immediate reports to be in the office every day so there's that that kind of company then there's the other type of company who basically uh, has that group of people and uh, the other group of people who want to work remotely and come up with this idea of kind of mix mashing them together and saying hey let's do it as a hybrid thing and we'll have the office also and we'll have the uh virtual remote thing also and then you spend some amount of time in the office and some amount of time virtually and then basically you mandate certain amount of time in the office and then slowly that kind of goes devolves back into the earlier model that I talked about where everybody goes to the office and then you have uh, uh a new breed of companies where where basically uh usually they are younger companies they are startup com- startup companies and uh more in the technology space where basically they say hey okay uh let's embrace this old remote thing and see how that can help us now that third type of company uh 
they've the they basically gone a lot deeper into it right so they started researching what is uh, what it means to be remote truly remote uh, they started looking at the impact of that on uh, the uh, the social hierarchy and the social uh, culture of the company and uh, also how people interact and you know like you pointed out the social needs of human beings and uh, they're coming up with innovative solutions and one of the solutions to this particular uh, need is the idea that okay maybe you have a metaverse type space where it is a little bit more uh, casual right uh, one of the drawbacks of uh, having zoom and google meet uh, is the fact that you have to schedule Zoom and Google Meet. You cannot have spontaneous meetings using Google, Google Meet and Zoom. Uh, so basically, you have the whole rigmarole of, you know, uh, I book a time and then you say, no, no, I'm busy at that time. And you book, you propose a new time and then I'm busy at that time and then I propose a new time. And then you have this uh, email ping pong that happens before you actually even schedule a meeting. And even in the meeting, basically, you spent an entire day doing meetings with various people and then so you come to the meeting stressed out or, and, and, and basically very focused on getting single things done, right? And you don't have the kind of serendipitous casual conversations that happen in offices around the water cooler and around uh, in a canteen that actually allow people to kind of gel together and you know work together and get understand one another and also kind of in in many cases lead to uh you know serendipitous ideas right uh, so uh gather town uh, like you mentioned basically is one example of such a company where, where they're building a tool that allows you to kind of immerse yourself uh, in in particular spaces so they've got this idea it's almost like a game right it's almost like minecraft or roblox or one of those games where your avatar is a very low fidelity avatar that is sitting over there it's not it's not you right it's but it's a representation of you and you can choose your clothes and do a certain amount of limited coloring and things like that but it's very clearly an avatar and it's not a uh, and a picture of a real person but the idea is that that those avatars basically are in this common map and you've created the space uh, the as soon as you come close to one another spontaneously a video uh, chat uh, or a video conference window opens up and you can speak to each other there is you can look at each other and you can talk to each other right so the uh, the uh, over the course of a day, so the the idea of Gather Town is that you uh, all the employees basically hang out over there. It's you immerse yourself. You keep that open all day, and then over the course of the day, uh, you do your meetings there. So going to a meeting essentially is literally going into a quote unquote room space in your map, and uh, everybody in that room basically gets into a. Uh, they they all have a conference call together and the video opens up uh, automatically, right? So the, that kind of, uh, those kind of uh, interactions, A, basically give you the feeling uh, that you are in a shared space and there are other people over there. And uh, B, also allows you to kind of uh, quote-unquote walk up. Uh, <laughs> you kind of uh, go and meet 
these other avatars and you kind of spontaneously uh, do this now this is again something that's originally started in second life as well i mean you could go and spontaneously talk to other people uh, it's just that now with the with the new technologies and we have uh, you know ba- greater internet bandwidth and better computers this is a lot more seamless but uh, the the point i think over here is that for companies that want to go remote and seriously think that remote is a good option uh, they there are tools available and it's not just the zoom and the uh, teams and the skype that is the only options that the quote unquote enterprises have there's a whole class of uh, tools being built that uh, embrace this idea of being entirely online and entirely digitized so with that uh, i think let's take a quick look at some of the popular uh, blockchain crypto projects today that are actually building uh, some of these kind of metaverses uh, or or something else right so uh, the first one would definitely be decentraland i guess they can be considered as the number one virtual reality platform in the blockchain and crypto space as of today they are the biggest as well as one of the earliest ones in the space i would say so uh decentraland began as a concept back in 2015 and uh, launched their mainnet to the general public back in 2020 uh and as of today they have a market cap of about 7 billion dollars so so they 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 are probably the biggest uh, player in the space as of right now uh to go into a little bit about what decentraland is uh it's basically a decentralized virtual world built on ethereum where you can buy build and sell digital real estate Uh, or even uh, other artworks and other nfts their their token is called uh, mana m a n a which is an erc20 token so within decentraland you can play games you can lease your digital space for advertising to popular brands at the same time or uh, like nikhil mentioned earlier you know you can just hang out with other people in the network so mana is the token that you would use to participate uh, in decentraland's economy Uh, and they also have another uh, nft based token called land which uh, basically you can use to actually own assets uh, within the ecosystem so um, as of today if you wanted to simply check out uh, what the platform looks like and just look around as a guest you could actually just do this from your web browser uh, and i don't think they have a mobile app yet as far as i know but uh, you can definitely check it out using your web browser um and if you wanted to use it uh, you would sign up uh, create your own avatar and associate a crypto wallet uh, with your account uh, something like myether wallet or metamask uh, and with that you know you'll be ready to take part in the systems economy whether it is to buy and sell things or create your uh, own 3d environment uh, if you wanted to uh, and monetize your virtual land for ad space and everything else basically how this works is that um as i mentioned earlier the system uh, has a token called mana which is used to pay for things when you are buying and selling within decentraland's economy and uh, apart from this the platform has an nft token called land uh, so decentraland has a total of 90601 parcels of land which are nothing but 16 by 16 uh, meters in size uh you know so this is to draw an equivalent to the real world measurements uh, when you're trying to build stuff like buildings and roads in the virtual space so uh each parcel is an nft 
which has its own location and coordinates uh, like you would have in the real world. And uh, if you own two or more adjacent parcels of land, you own an estate. So uh, just like in the real world, different parcels of uh, land will have different value based on where they're located uh, in, in decentral land. So uh, if, if they're close to a popular place like a pub where people hang out or if they're close to a road, etc., the value of that property would vary. If you wanted to buy some land on decentral land to build something, you would need to buy these parcels of land, uh, which you can directly buy from the Decentraland marketplace, uh, which is inbuilt, or uh, even through other popular marketplaces like uh, OpenSea or many others. And since Decentraland is a completely decentralized ecosystem, the metaverse is actually controlled and managed through a DAO, uh, a decentralized autonomous organization. Uh, so the entire governance is actually controlled by the network participants themselves you know, based on how much stake you have in the system. Uh, so based on how much stake you have, you have uh, voting power uh, in the DAO to make decisions. So so what what token do you use for the DAO? Is that a third token or is it land or mana? Yeah, so uh, the voting power that you have in, in the ecosystem is actually based on how much you own, like how much stake you have. So if you have one wrapped mana token, that gives you one unit of voting power. Uh, and if you own one land token, that gives you uh, 2,000 units of voting power. So one land token basically represents the 16 by 16 uh, space in, in, in Decentraland, right? Uh, and uh, above this, you know, if you have adjacent spaces, so for every estate that you own, it gives you an additional 2,000 units of voting power. So this is how, you know, the voting power is kind of distributed in the ecosystem among the network participants. So uh, that's a very quick overview of uh, how the uh, ecosystem works. Uh, so ever since the NFT craze caught on earlier this year, uh, Decentraland saw a lot of virtual art galleries and uh, auction houses come up on the platform where uh, digital artists or collectors could put their NFT artwork for auctions. Uh, in fact, back in June this year, Sotheby's, which is one of the world's largest brokers for fine art and collectibles, started a virtual gallery in Decentraland, which is uh, actually a digital replica of its London gallery. That shows that even though it's still early days, some of the biggest companies in the real world see the potential of these new metaverses and uh, they're entering this space for a digital presence. Uh, and uh, like we mentioned earlier, gaming is a huge play for companies when they look at where to reach out to new audiences on virtual platforms. So uh, on Decentraland, you can play many different games such as uh, Ethermon, which is a role-playing game where you catch monsters. Uh, another one is WonderQuest, where you collect NFT-based dragon eggs. Uh, or another one called Battle Racers, which is a racing game. So uh, most of these games have NFT-based assets that you can collect. And uh, they generally follow a play-to-earn model, where uh, the more you play, the more you can earn. Uh, and uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention the video game giant Atari, uh, they too have a virtual space on Decentraland. So like I mentioned earlier, big companies are really seeing the potential of how this whole market can evolve and grow. That's kind of what I have on Decentraland. Uh, Nikhil, is, is there something you want to add? Uh, no, I mean, uh, I think it's great. Uh, the thing I like about these kind of metaverses uh, is the fact that, okay, you have this concept of owning something and uh, that 
since it's on a blockchain it's not something that can be taken away right so uh, if you if you are like owning an estate uh, you can prove that you're owning that estate uh, you can actually do economic activity on it without fear that okay somebody is just going to copy it uh, and paste it somewhere else and then you lose lost your economic value right so the next big platform that uh, we want to talk about briefly uh, it's called sandbox and uh, sandbox probably is the next biggest metaverse project after decentraland so uh, sandbox is also another very early project that's built on ethereum uh, the token is called sand uh, s a n d and as of recording this episode they have a market cap of roughly 4 and a half billion dollars uh, and one of the main differences with sandbox is that uh, it is more focused towards allowing for the community to build stuff together collaboratively uh, and you know be able to actually monetize whatever they create so for example you can build your own games with the people in the community without the need of any central company or authority to mediate between you so that's the reason why they branded themselves as sandbox uh, because they focus more towards building stuff together so in that sense they are even more decentralized uh, in their ideology uh, than decentraland philosophically speaking uh and one of the other things to note about sandbox is that uh, they have many industry partnerships at this point compared to decentraland so this includes uh, many different persons and companies from atari opera browser cryptokitties to snoop dog the walking dead the popular show and many others so uh sandbox definitely has a lot more real world partnerships at this point uh and uh, just like decentraland has mana token for the platform's economy and uh, land nft token to buy actual land in the metaverse sandbox also has a main sand token that is the main utility token used for the platform's economy and uh, other than this they also have what is called mcft which stands for multiple class fungible tokens so uh, sand is used as a currency for actual buying and selling assets on the platform uh, and it's used for governance through voting uh, and for distributing rewards and stuff to the community and uh, sandbox also has erc721 tokens along with assets that are that follow the erc1155 standard so this is this is actually one thing that separates it from uh, decentraland so the erc1155 standard is kind of a mix between a currency use case plus acting as a non fungible token or uh, an nft uh, sandbox is slightly different from decentraland in in that regard and to quickly touch on some of the other metaverse projects that are out there Axie Infinity is another notable one. Uh, they kind of made the whole play-to-earn model popular in the NFT-based gaming space uh, in in the last couple of years. Their token is called AXS, and uh, they too have a pretty big market cap of about eight billion dollars, right behind Decentraland, I would say, uh, as of recording this episode. So uh, their focus was to enable building of more and more games on their platform. and uh, they did it quite well in the last couple of years so so that that that's where the focus is and then there's also other projects like crypto voxels which is another metaverse being built on ethereum so yeah there's plenty of projects out there you know that that are entering the metaverse space and uh, apart from this you know one of the most recent developments you have the winklevoss twins from gemini <laughs> who very recently just raised 400 million dollars at a 7.1 billion dollar valuation to create a metaverse that competes with facebook's meta so uh, we don't know a lot about the vision as yet but generally speaking 
they want to go into it with a decentralized vision versus facebook centralized vision so that's a little bit about you know the projects that are active and that are going to build stuff going forward with that i guess uh, let's move into the last part which is the future outlook so nikhil with all this activity that's going on how do you see the future of metaverses evolving you know like are, are we looking at some kind of uh, ready player one scenario where our primary means of social interaction becomes virtual uh, or do you see this as a passing fad that maybe dies off in a few years or something else altogether what do you think so i mean to be honest the metaverse like i said earlier the metaverse idea is not new right it's it's kind of like been there for a while and it's been building it's very similar to the idea of artificial intelligence right uh, we've always uh, ever since there has been computing uh, as a uh, discipline artificial intelligence has always been one of those uh, things that the genie in the bottle or the the coming uh, singularity etc etc so uh, to be able to predict and say hey okay metaverse is a fad versus something that's going to actually happen uh i am i would not i would not uh, dare to venture a guess but uh, at the same time i can say that okay at the current moment uh, there has not been uh, previously not been as much backing or investment or even ideas uh, that are being uh, explored as there has been at this particular moment right about or creating a metaverse so i think the possibility is good uh, that uh, we will uh, go a lot further uh, we also have had the push from the real world so to speak uh, with the corona virus uh, and the pandemic kind of forcing us to uh, seriously explore these ideas and explore embrace this particular uh, paradigm in our lives uh, so yeah i mean the conditions are good is what i would say uh there's also another thing that uh kind of i want to talk about it's a slightly different take on this which is uh, looking at the metaverse in terms of uh you know uh, impact uh, uh, improving our uh, or reducing our uh, carbon impact right so you talked about uh, earlier uh, i think about how companies are saving money by doing zoom calls instead of uh going physically to uh different places to meet people and it's not just money right it's also the amount of uh carbon dioxide and all the economic and the climate uh benefits of not traveling uh, right so that's also one of those things and uh when you look at it uh a digital um, a more digitalized economy is naturally more efficient uh, than a uh, less digitalized economy right we are kind of uh, thinking about the metaverse as an extension of that right so if you if you take that uh, metaverse's concept to its logical conclusion there's a lot more an order of magnitude more use cases and uh, business cases and things that you can do if there is a metaverse that has uh, the concept of a digital money for example and the concept of uh, ownership digital ownership that can be i mean that can be proven uh, uh, unambiguously right so these are kind of like one of the, the these are a couple of the biggest 
shortcomings of the internet today right or is the fact that you can copy everything and uh, the other one is because uh, you have to go through banks and uh, do uh, a lot of uh, paperwork just to get money to and fro right so uh, the idea of a metaverse is in my mind more than uh, you know just improving the social life and uh, everybody living in the metaverse and everybody hanging out together it's also uh, the next kind of revolution in my opinion of uh, productivity improving gdp and uh, bringing uh, uh, raising the productivity of our population uh, while at the same time being able to do it with much much less resources right uh, so uh, obviously the earth has limited resources uh, and we've been kind of consuming them consuming it and the more efficient we are with these resources the greater amount of economic increase in gdp in economic increase in uh, productivity in economic wellness we can derive from it right so the metaverse when you look at it from that perspective has a very very am- large amount of efficiency that you can bring in right so you can uh, with a metaverse you can make use of a lot less resources for a lot longer right uh, a, a digital uh, software uh, consumes a lot less energy uh, to do it takes a, consumes a lot less energy to do a zoom call for example or even to hang out in a met, uh, in a metaverse uh, than to kind of fly over to uh, from berlin to uh, houston for example and hang out uh, in a restaurant right because uh, that <laughs> has a lot more carbon impact than just doing a uh uh getting together uh, uh, in in the internet so i think from that perspective metaverses have a great future how far does it go does it become a real player one well if you look at the real world in the real real player one uh, that looks like a very bleak <laughs> landscape i certainly hope we don't go there uh but maybe if we can have the best of both worlds that would be ideal maybe something where we can jump into this uh, virtual world that is as uh, compelling and as wonderful uh, uh, or even uh, close to being as wonderful as it is uh, when we go out uh, uh, in the real world in meet space and uh, meet people that would be really fantastic all right folks that concludes our podcast we hope that you enjoyed this episode You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify and also you can learn more about us on bcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.